0: so i wanted to uh use this morning uh to reintroduce myself and um but uh you know in in the spirit of what we have been sharing i really want to not necessarily preach to you this morning even though there's obviously a role for that in god's kingdom i want to talk to you and 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 if i can do that Um, and communicate with that spirit, um, I think perhaps it will be uh, more effective for what we're trying to communicate this morning. You know, as we think about things, uh, Sunday is a time of deep reflection, at least for me. And, And as I think about what is going on in the world, the earthquake that shook... Turkey and Syria, right now they said that there are 50,000 people that have died. 50,000. That leaves a heavy burden on your heart. It's the one-year anniversary, if we can call it that, of the war in Russia and Ukraine. You know, there are UN estimates of how many people have died, but Ukrainians have told us that perhaps at least 100,000 people have died, and they're not going to have the tally for a while yet, as they're still trying to figure out what's what, Not not to mention The displacement of people's lives man i go on a trip trip somewhere i can't wait to get home to my own home to my own shower to my own bed to my own comforter and i'm gone for a little bit and so i am so grateful to be a part of a church family that says not only be warm and well fed but we actually want to do something about what is going on. And of course, we are so grateful. And we will uh, forever be grateful for Alex and uh, Natalia for what they have done for the people of Ukraine and, and helping them to get settled. And uh, uh, you know, um, absolutely. <clears throat> I remember, having, I remember having lunch with, um, with Alex's mom, M- Melanie and I, and Alex and, and his mom. And uh, we were having lunch, and I, I, and I shared with her. I said, you know, I would love for you to share some time about what is going on and, and your experiences. And her, her hand went to her heart, and immediately tears, literally a gush of tears. From her eyes for she was not yet ready to talk about what she had seen and what she had experienced and a lot of times we see things from on the television or on our uh, phones and we're a little bit removed but we're part of a congregation and so I want to introduce to you uh, 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 some more people that have uh, place who are part of the congregation, were part of the congregation there in Kiev and ultimately moved to Moldova and are here uh, to God's promised land, Ottawa. We all know that, that that's what this is. And, um, and so we want to introduce to you Lena. Lena, please go ahead and stand on up. <laughs> Lena, we're so grateful uh, that you're here. Lena is a recent convert Uh, She became a disciple just a few months ago in September of last year, and she brought here her young boy, Herman. He's almost five, and we are just so excited. We want you to know how much we love you. We want to wrap our arms around you and say, hey, we want to make a difference at least to one person's life and, and to to see a community of believers. Uh, We're helping uh, uh, Lena to get set up in many ways, uh, thanks to your generosity, and so we look forward to uh, being a family where you can feel you have brothers and sisters. So we want to welcome Lena to the Ottawa family. Thank you so much for being here. And one of the things why we do such things is so that you, the family, can see who they are, and, and, and have them in your home have, have a meal with them. And, and, and so that's, that's one of the reasons why we do that. And then, not to be outdone, we have Alex and Sasha. But Alex, that son of a gun, is already serving in Kingdom Kits. And so he just recently moved. And so Alex and Sasha, why don't you go ahead and stand on up. We're so excited to have you here. And uh, we are just really, really thrilled to be able to be a family where the lonely can be set in places, and we can uh, really help to be a faith community that helps people to grow. You know, I am fully convinced when we understand that we can actually have an impact, not that we could have an impact, but we can actually have an impact, the things that are done are quite remarkable. You know, I, I, I've—I I think I've shared with you over the Christmas holidays. I actually slid off the road, and we got stuck in New York. And uh, it was Christmas Eve, and then we got stuck all the way until Christmas Day. And yet, we—we had to stay. My son and I had to stay in a fire department that was completely run by volunteers. And yet, for three days, these people. Uh, forsook, so to speak, the holidays and tended to, in this particular fire hall, there were about 50 people. They cooked food for us. They went and washed their blankets. They uh, made beds for us. And these people didn't know us. It was without a doubt I saw live in action When someone knows what they're doing can actually make a difference, people are so willing to do that. Any of you, if today, right now, you receive a phone call, and you know someone's stuck in a ditch, and you know if you going there will actually help them, you'll get up right now and go help them, which I will have no problem with at all. And oftentimes, it's to be able to be convinced that we can make a difference. And that moves us to action. Yesterday, and I think we think we to have somebody share about it a little later, is that right, Pedro? Okay, great, but, but some people from this congregation decided to do the coldest of the year walk. It was cold. It was cold. And it was a snapshot of what it was like to be out there for a little bit when you are experiencing homelessness. And the idea was not only to, to walk and, and to just have a photo op, but the opportunity actually to make a difference on two fronts. One, to say that we're in solidarity with you, And secondly, to raise some money. And so people would brave the cold. Because we know it makes a difference. And the farther we are removed from that, oftentimes we're less apt to do something. But if we're convinced, that what we're doing actually changes people's lives. There's not one of us in this room that would not say, I am willing to do that. And so one of the things that we believe that the church is the hope for the world, in this sense when faith communities and people of this kind actually band together the impact is not unlike what a fire truck does to a community as opposed to when there's a fire and everybody brings our own bale and we dump it on the fire but when we have a fire truck and we come together the amazing speed with which we could put out a fire is quite remarkable. And so that's the idea. God, in his wisdom, talked about a faith community. As a matter of fact, it's not only directly helping people spiritually, but also here on earth, those who have a challenging time in their lives. And to be able to have an impact. And so what the church does when our hearts have been rendered in a way that is favorably disposed to God and what he does in our lives, we're more apt to be able to see things and to do things where our hearts are moved because it has been churned. That this is not just a weekly activity that we do, we come here so that we can be better servants of Christ. So much so, when, I was a, when my wife and I were serving in the church in Chicago, the impact of hope worldwide was so phenomenal. And because it was connected to the church, there was a brother who said, we need to continue to impact the world on hope, and in that way, the church needs to continue to be strong. And one of the ways the church continues to be strong is that we need solid, good teaching. And so he decided that he was going to invest millions of dollars on some people who wanted to go to school to learn to more adequately preach the gospel and teach, to be formally educated, to be trained. And that has continued. Because his mind was, and I agree with him, that the church is the hope For the world. Oh, we don't need any fanfare. We don't even need a nice building. It's nice to have one. But what matters is where is our hearts disposed to. And so the idea of my role in this this series is to be able to teach and point out some things and inspire you to be well-formed, mature, faithful disciples. To the end where we have an impact. Where it's not just flowing in, but it flows in to flow out. And so in a group like this, there are people of different, different dispositions today. I know that. Because I know some of you, and I know the size of the crowd. Our hearts are broken to see our dear sister, Sonia, here. Not that she's here. That's the part that's broken with us. But of course, just a, a, a few weeks ago, her husband is now with the Father in heaven, yet she's here, challenged. I can't, it's an unthinkable thought. And there are so much memories that floods into her mind as some things remind her that she has lost her husband, at least for this short little while. And so I speak to a crowd, and there are people who are experiencing those things. And then Rose celebrates her 50th birthday. Come on, Rose. Yes, happy birthday. I was not supposed to say 50, eh, Greg. You, you... <laughs> that's, my por- that's my problem, and, 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 and so the... But But here you have a wide spectrum of dispositions. People trying to find a home, people celebrating as they reflect on what God has done, people mourning the loss of their lost ones. And then on that spectrum of faith, there's some of us that are struggling even maybe financially. I was chatting with Oksana a little earlier, and I said, how are you doing? She said, in essence, she summed it up, it doesn't really matter, my husband's here, we're good. And, and, And everything else pales in comparison for being away from her husband for a while, but the fact that he's here, awesome. And I asked her, I said, what do you need? Well, how can we help? It doesn't matter, my husband's here. <laughs> Not that she doesn't have any needs, but the idea is there are people in all across the spectrum of life. And so it is my hope and my goal that whenever I come and I, and I try to present the gospel in an unadulterated manner, that the Spirit makes up for what insight and foresight I might have. And so we come before you today with the idea of having seven, you know, rhythms, habits, disciplines, things that we do to ultimately hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And through my experience walking this walk for about 37 years, from my own life, from talking to others, from realizing some of the mistakes that I have made, and to see what I would say to a young Tony, and to be able to say, what are some things that we can continue to learn? And we talked about five things so far. The idea that our prayer life is not to be only when we are, our backs are to the wall and we don't have anything else to do and we're going to pray to God, but rather it's a time of devotion that we take out to say, God, I want to be with you. We do that in, in a way that is continuous. And that we take the word of God, and, and I believe the older generation before the printing press in the 15th century will stand up and condemn this generation for our attitude towards the Word of God. For when we have the printed Word in so many formats, and I wonder how much time do we spend but what mature, faithful, well-formed disciples do, there is a study, a rhythmic, a habit that is formed in reading the Word of God that shapes our mind. We talk about the idea of being in a faith community, sort of what I mentioned a little earlier. That that our goal is not merely to come together on a Sunday morning because we have nothing else to do and we just love driving in the snow. (laughs) But rather we believe that being embedded in a faith community really strengthens us sometimes in ways that we don't know. I remember having a talk with with, uh, Owen when him and I have had some time together and, and, and I said, Owen, oh, you know, one of the things about being a minister is like you've got to be able to teach the Word like you give your children broccoli. <laughs> and they don't know how good it is for them until later on in life they realize Thank you, Mom and Dad, for giving me vegetables. I know I didn't like the broccoli, but I now appreciate that I'm healthy with it. That's sort of like what part of my role is here, is this idea is to be able to give you broccoli, and sometimes you might not like it. And yet, with a faithful, unadulterated approach, meaning not agenda-driven, what Tony would like, but being faithful to the Spirit and His Word, to be able to say truly that this is what truly matters. And for some of us, it might be broccoli. For some of us, it might be a nice steak. I don't know where you're at, and so that's the idea. So, and then for us to have relationships that are beyond See you next Sunday. Oh, you're not going to be here? See you the Sunday after that. Oh, you're not going to be here then? Whenever. But our relationship that Sunday is what is a celebration of what happened during the week and and our connection in that sense. And there are many different levels of this relationship. I know for me, there's no way I'll be faithful today if it were not for my wife. And the relationship that she inspires and encourages me. And then relationships that I have with people inside and outside the congregation that is much beyond, hey, here's a Christmas card. Hopefully I'll see you in two or three years. (laughs) But that they're meaningful relationships. We talked about that. And one of it also is this idea of the poor being firmly embedded in helping out that in our mindset. What I'm not saying is these are the only seven things. And what I'm not saying is that these seven things that we're going to ultimately talk about, wow, you need to be just great in every single one of them right now. It's one of those, I'm giving you broccoli so that ultimately you will refer back to some of these things and say, wow, this was really helpful. You, you ever had some teachers like that? I had some teachers in high school and, 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 and elementary school that said some things now that I realize how wise it was, or maybe even with our parents, is that, wow, that was really wise. And So that's the hope here. That ultimately will be well-formed, faithful disciples. That is absolutely pandemic-proof, snow, day-proof. You pick, you pick whatever. A recession is coming. I don't want to be. I don't want to be the prophet of doom. We'll talk about that a little bit. And so I want to dedicate, i do a series on God and money. What an appropriate time. So that we have the proper disposition. And so we'll start that after this series. So let's continue. Hopefully that gives you an idea of what we want to talk about this morning. And so I want to talk about another rhythm, habit. Disposition that we have that would be re- quite remarkable. Now, here is the context of what I want to share here as well. So you can turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 36 to 38. We're within the context of a history. Meaning, we're part of a family of churches. There are about 750 churches in our church family that's across the world. That's where we can connect with, uh, you know, Alex and Sasha and Matthias and uh, Nastia and, and, and Lena and Oksana and, and, and to be able to say, you know what? Um, and Matthias, you know, he probably would come back after. How come you didn't mention my name? Um, and. Um, but, but, but the idea of, of, of being connected, you know, in that way. But there's a context to us. We, can I share openly about our family here for a second? No? Can I share openly about our family? Okay, great, awesome, good. Um, you know, we were zealots, wide-eyed, zealous in this family. As a matter of fact, we were growing like crazy. I mean, just anything that moved needed to get baptized. And some if they weren't moving, we kicked them to make sure they were moving, and then baptized them. Hopefully they were alive. It's crazy. Crazy stuff. We started planting churches. Didn't know what we were doing in one sense, but we know people needed to be saved. And that zeal and that desire got tainted at times. We got our focus a little bit wrong at times. And so what happens now, we become I-C-O-C weary. What do I mean by that? Let me extrapolate. We hear something that we had done, and because we're I-C-O-C weary, we hear it and we immediately dismiss it because we're tired of it. For example, let me, let me give it a, one of the things that we used to do, this, set your hearts on fire here, one of the things we, we were so involved in helping people to become Christians and planting churches, we used to give on a weekly basis, and then at one time, sometime in May, June, March, whatever it is, we collected, tw- in some churches, 25 times what we would give on a weekly basis for the sake of evangelism. I'm not here to say whether or not that was good, bad, or ugly in that sense, meaning giving. But people started giving so much that now it becomes almost we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And that when that word is said then, whoa, hello, are we going back? Not filtering it through the scriptures. So I say that to say, I think it's, I bring these things up because some of it were practices that we had, but it was a little bit too autocratic and regimented. But the principles are there. And so I'm saying this wide-eyed to the idea that some of us are ICOC weary. I am ICOC weary. But that does not negate what helps us, what is rooted in Scripture to help us become well-formed, mature disciples. So that's the idea. And so one of those things it's found in Matthew chapter 1, and I'll read two scriptures, and that was quite a long introduction, so I'll just go through and, and, and read these next two scriptures and put them together. In Matthew, Mark chapter 1, my wife with, uh, saying, Mark, Mark, Mark. <laughs> I mean, she wrote the sermon, so I'm just, uh, she, she knows exactly where, where we're going. Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 1. You can, t- can you tell we're going to Matthew after this? All right, yes, we are. Jesus was just cranking. He was healing people. He was just at the top of his ministry. People were following him. I mean, it was just what the dream of every minister is. Crowds are following He's trying to run away from the crowds. His popularity was immense. So he gets up early in the morning, and he went to pray, and then verse 36, it says, Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you. You have any idea how many likes you have, and shares? Dude, you are an influencer of gargantuan proportion. Everyone's looking for you. Is this not why you came? How awesome is this? Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. What in the world? (laughs) Wait a minute. Alex, what are you doing to the baby? I'm a little embarrassed. Sasha, rescue the child, please. Amen. (laughs) But the idea here is that when Jesus was in the height of his popularity, and people were looking for him, he said, let's go somewhere else. (laughs) I cannot imagine that people are so looking into coming to attend our church service at Immaculata High School, and they're saying, I mean, can I get in? And we're saying, hey, guys, let's go somewhere else. Does that... You're going to think we're turned our minds and we've gone crazy. And Jesus says, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also that is why I have come. Mark, Ma- Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. We'll put these two scriptures together. We'll talk about this rhythm, this habit that well formed disciples have in their lives. Verse 35 to 38. I'm gonna stand beside here and read this because I, 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 think, I, I, I think there's some emphasis that needs to be made, okay? It says this, Jesus replied, uh, sorry, Matthew, Matthew chapter nine. You can go there, Matthew chapter nine. Okay, verses 35, we'll go through this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness all the way to verse 38 when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus had a rhythm in his life where his popularity would be secondary to preaching the Word. Healing... Was going to be secondary. This idea of having a heart of compassion—we sung about it. And here's the difference: we can't be only people who sing about these things. And he has—he says—a heart of compassion, because he because he. They were harassed and helpless, not because someone told them, but this is from his mind and his heart. You know the idea of compassion, you know what it means? To suffer with. Feeling it in here. I'll share with you, I think what is a good idea, at least for me, it it communicates. My youngest son, Michael got in the habit of getting croup. guys know what croup is? What croup, croup is, it's like when they have difficulty breathing, and this is how it sounds, OK? And you get him when you're a child. He's about two years old. <laughs> Not for a few seconds. And here I am, freaking out. I called the ambulance. They were going to take a little long to get there. Where I lived in Toronto was right down the street with the hospital. So I said, I'm jumping in the car, and we're driving. You have all these things, you know, you have the, the steam going in the bathroom, you know, and the window opening up in the wintertime so that the air goes through the, goes through the lungs and everything, but it's not stopping. And I remember being as faithful as I ever have been in trusting and believing in God and saying this, God, please help my son. As a matter of fact, God, if you can pass that pain and struggle over to me, I'll gladly take it. But to watch my two year old boy struggle with this is heart wrenching. And God calls us to have this kind of compassion on people, that they're not a nuisance. They're not just people who consumes our time. Because I know I like to watch my sports. And whatever else I like to do. But that there that we looked at that talked about the idea of preaching the word and helping people because they're harassed and helpless, where we're actively helping people understand the saving message of Jesus Christ. And I know what being pandemic, what being ICOC weary does. What does that mean? I don't know what it means for you specifically. But I know partially what it means. It ought to be on our hearts. For some of us, man, we barely have enough time to to feed our kids and send them to bed. and, And that's cool. And so the idea of you doing the same thing as someone like us who have no kids at home and are empty nesters. But what I have seen that is, in people's lives, that is a habit that helps them to be mature disciples. It's this idea of actually helping others to understand how great our God is. Not that we just don't only sing about it, but it's how we conduct our lives. And our time is shown in it. And the way we spend our money is shown in it. And I don't know how you can figure that out. But to be able to say can't be so that we have nice potlucks, nice Christmas dinners, go for walks in the park. It can't be the only reason that our souls have been rescued. And if this is in our hearts, to some degree, it will help us You know, if I'm, I know for me, it's just a rhythm that, I mean, if I'm not studying the Bible with someone, I am restless and antsy. And then I ask myself this question how is my heart of compassion? All you have to do is talk to someone for more than 15 seconds. And you realize that facade that's up there, there's a lot of issue. If you believe social media, the people that people post, I've got some waterfront properties in Arizona I'd like to sell you. (laughs) There are no waterfront properties in Arizona. But the idea is that we then are be those... And you know what Jesus says? The workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. It's the workers. You and I. That's a rhythm. And the last one is this idea that Jesus helps us to understand... And like I said, it's not that we need to be the master of all of these, but ultimately that these are things that helps us to be well-formed, mature disciples. And we'll read these two together. John chapter 7, verses 1 through 9, and Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. All right? So let's go ahead and put those up. It says this. I'll come beside here and read says, so after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. After this, what? What is this, this? Well, it's when Jesus preached and he said, hey, by the way, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part of me. So after this, that's the context of this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not go, he did not want to go in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. I think that's sound reasoning to me. I mean, you don't want, people are looking to kill you? Don't go there, all right? But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one, here, here's this, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Sounds like, sounds reasonable to me, right? That's what they said. You want to be a public figure, that's what you're doing, you're going preaching healing, you're getting really popular, you want to be a public figure, go where the people are at! Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers, did not believe in him now not only were there many who were following him decided to leave his brothers now is now clear by their communication they didn't believe he was who he was and here it is therefore jesus told them my time is not yet here for you any time will do The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. And Matthew chapter 7, we'll we'll put these two together. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. One of the things that I see in well-formed, mature disciples, faithful, is a focus that is not distractible. Or it's not distracted easy. Jesus came on earth, and he said, he said something to these disciples that has impacted, been a profound impact on my life for so long. When I chose to become a disciple, I chose the narrow way. That's that's what it means, right? If anybody had latitude, it had to be Jesus. But Jesus says, I have come and for you, anytime when you're not a follower, when you don't have insight, when when you are going to be pulled in every different direction. But Jesus says, When you choose this life, you choose a narrow way. That is absolutely un-Canadian. I want choices, and I want many. So Jesus says... Narrow is the, is the gate. One of the things that I decided when I became a Christian, I realized this, and it gave me pause for thought. When I went into the ministry, that r- gate got even narrower. The things I can do the things that I should do, the example that I need to set. But even as a disciple, the idea that well-formed, mature, faithful disciples do, they realize, I am not going to be dragged into a world that I become a master of everything. That I want to be a master of everything. now. There are nuances to this. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't broaden our horizon to be able to become all things to all men. I mean, so, so, so but there is an idea here that we ought to maintain a focus that is actually narrow. And I know what the well-informed in this group, especially those who are a little bit younger than I am, Well, this is what I have a problem with Christianity about, is this idea of the narrowness. I mean, if we would just be like Jesus and understand the Sermon on the Mount, if that's how we conducted our lives, poor in spirit, the meek (laughs) shall inherit the earth, and all that kind of good stuff. If that's what we focused on, and not this narrow-minded Christianity Our life. Man, I, I could sink my teeth into that, but this narrow thing? So, well-informed person, can I bring you into the context of what was said here? It was part of the Sermon on the Mount. what Jesus did, as a matter of fact, not one time, not two times, not three times, but four times, brought about two choices. He said there's a good tree and a bad tree. He said there's a good foundation and a bad foundation. He said there's a narrow gate and a wide gate. He said, there are those who pretend to follow me and say, Lord, Lord, and those who actually do my will. This idea that God has given us, please understand, people who say that, all you need to do, we'll sit down and we'll talk about the context, but don't. Water down what the Lord of glory said. Don't, don't do it to choose for your own. And somehow have a billboard or a saying uh, that you can just print on a piece of paper and put it in your room. Jesus says, man, Part of being a well-formed disciple is being clear that we just don't buy everything that somebody is selling. Now, please don't hear me say that we need to be bigots, that we ostracize people from society who don't think like us. That's not what I'm talking about. But don't get misinformed what a well-formed person is like. At least say you don't admire Jesus and kick him out of your mindset, but you can't have both at the same time. People who use these scriptures to ostracize people who are of different sexual orientation, there's a problem with that. People who use this because we don't think the same politically, there's a problem with that. But do not confuse it. Felt well-formed disciples, people, if we admire Jesus, look at what he said. He said, you know what? For you, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Not for me. When I signed up for the Christian Jubilee, when, my ro- when I wrote my name on the roll, o o that's a song, by the way. Um, <laughs> when I signed up for the Christian Jubilee, I signed up understanding how narrow the road is. And you know what? There are times I'm tempted to be pulled. Maybe, maybe, did we take this thing too far? And I don't know, but wrestle with it. Fight with it. Ask God to help you with it. But we form disciples just don't have such an open mind that their brains fall out. The idea of being narrow, focused, focused, There are many times people try to pull Jesus into the things and he says, man, this is not why I've come. I'm not an arbiter. You go tell that fox I'm going to reach my goal. I know this is what they want me to do, but that's not why I'm here. And so... As we think about these rhythms as we think about what well-formed mature disciples like i said it may be one or two things that you're going to say man i am going to i'm going to focus on this for the next little bit maybe it's it's devoted prayer maybe it's serious reading of god's word maybe it's firmly embedded myself in this faith community maybe it's relationships that we have maybe it's this idea of what it means to serve That I am not just serve occasionally, but I'm a servant, and that's what a servant does. And this idea that, man, that I'm helping others to become Christians, and that here, that I'm focused in what I'm doing. You know, as I age, I'm 55 years old now. I don't want to do a lot of things. I get tired quickly when going out and hanging out till two or three o'clock in the morning was once such an attractive thing. I mean, we used to go to restaurants, the guys in the campus ministry, literally at two o'clock in the morning is when we would go to the restaurants. And we'll sit there, I mean, we still talk about it to this day. Remember when we went to Hoking? A number of times at 2 o'clock, after devotional, after we had time, we played dominoes, we played cards, then we'd go to the, go, go to the uh, and then sometimes we went to the bowling alley afterwards. Because <laughs> we didn't have to get up the next morning, because it was Saturday, right? And so I got up like 2 o'clock the next afternoon. But the idea is, I mean, now the thought of that just hurts my head. And that's kind of nice because, you know, I, it, it affords me to get a little bit more focused in what I'm doing. And this idea of and this assessing my friends or getting more likes or getting more shares is not as important to me. But I want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so I, we'll, leave, we'll leave with this thought in Psalm chapter 1. If we can turn to cha- Psalm chapter 1. We'll read the entire song, and I I think it sums up in in a great way what it says about where we are. So blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Whoa, whoa. I mock a lot. Oops. Um, (laughs) But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night? night. That person here's this well-formed mature faithful disciple that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers we'll come back to that in a second not so the wicked they are like chaff that the wind blows away Therefore, the wicked will not stand in, in the judgment, uh, will not stand in the judgment, uh, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And the last verse, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. What someone says, I think it's just so eloquently articulates that someone who does that, these rhythms of a couple of them that we've talked about, is like a tree planted by streams of water. Not that it says that there. it's like, it's a simile, it's a comparison. Yeah. I don't want to get into all the syntax for you, but that's what it is, it's a comparison. It's like a tree planted by streams of water, and when you watch a tree that's planted by streams of water, it bears fruit, and its, with, its leaf does not wither. That's what these rhythms are intended to do. I'm just getting started in this Christian walk. I know I've been doing it 37 years. I mean, I'm not planning on ending sometime soon. Not physically, not spiritually, not emotionally. How am I going to be that guy whose leaf does not wither and who bears fruit in season? So some seasons, you bear fruit. OK? It's mango season. So mangoes. But when it's not mango season, my, f- my, my leaf does not wither. And I'm not a yo-yo Christian. That's what, but there are times I've been a yo-yo and a dodo <laughs> and so the idea of this guys what we tried to do for the last few weeks talking about this is to be able to provide some concepts that hey w- what am I looking at where am I going firmly understanding that there's some of us that might be ICOC weary but that doesn't mean the principles that was not used well in certain occasions, that doesn't mean they don't apply. And so as we embark on this journey, some of you just started, like Lena. Lena just started just a few, few weeks ago, so to speak. And some of us have been chugging along for a while. So the idea here is that ultimately we want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? Awesome. I think we got one more song. Do we have a song here? Second Communion, yes. And that's the song that we're going to be singing during the communion. Awesome. And, and so guys, when Jesus came to die for our sins, When, as we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord, it was not for a time, he says, whenever you do this, there is a future that he's talking about, that for all who are far off, so to speak, for all whom the Lord our God will call. We're thankful that Jesus not only set the pace for these rhythms in his own life, by the way, in his own life, that ultimately he paid the price so that we can walk this path, that when he died on the cross. So let us go ahead and give thanks for the body and blood of Christ. Then we'll have a song during there, and then we'll have an announcement, and, and then we'll close. Well, amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your Son, who was an example to us. And Father, we never want to make this formulaic. We, don't, we never ever want to say, here are some regimented things that we want to do. But we certainly want to be principled people. And that follow, learn from your son when, you're sin, when your son said to us, if you are not at peace, if you're weary, if you're burdened, come to me and learn from me. For I will give you rest for your souls and peace that transcends all understanding. I pray that what was said here was received with the spirit that it was said, which was, here are some things to consider in our lives. Thank you above all for the death of Christ, whose ultimate compassion led to him giving his life for us as we take the bread and the wine that is emblematic of his body and, the, and his blood. I pray, Father, we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.